This is the murderer you know. Welcome. I <laughs> still want to say Happy New Year. <laughs> Welcome to year two. I feel somewhat of a letdown. You know, we had such a fabulous anniversary shindig, and now it's like, oh, we have to slog through another year before we get our second anniversary shindig. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> slog. <laughs> a great description. We're not slogging, we're having a great time here. Yikes. Yeah. Well, here to kick off the slog fest episode 53 yeah man 53 who'd have thunk it so here's my idea who knows how long it will last (laughs) who knows if it's even possible but my thought was we could do a story each week that kind of had similar elements to the story that we did So it's our first week of year two. Do you remember what story we did for our first week of year one? Well, you weren't there. I listened and I definitely remember. I remember it was about your preschool best friend who killed her mother, which was totally shocking because we knew the entire, we knew the entire family. She was your best friend. I knew her mother. We used to wait outside of dance class and gymnastic class and kindergarten class and chat. (laughs) Knew her father, her brothers and her sister. Yeah, it's just probably one of the most shocking things that ever happened. So I picked a story that is in a similar vein Uh in some way shape or form that's my idea okay might not be possible to stick to it every week but that's how new year's resolutions are that is true and i hope you can't hear the fireworks going off (laughs) maybe i can i don't know of course out here in the country it could just be people shooting (laughs) could be that anywhere very true country or otherwise unfortunately in this day and age you're right well it is there are fireworks because it is about to be the fourth of july wow in fact it will be after fourth of july by the time this airs but we're close we're close in keeping with that as well a holiday week we are going back to friday november 29th 2013 Do you know what holiday was that week? Not the 4th of July. (laughs) Say the month again. (laughs) November. Oh, Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Oh my God. One of my favorite holidays. I think we all feel that way. So Friday, November 29th, hours after Thanksgiving, a husband and father of two was out doing some Black Friday shopping when he got a call from his youngest daughter that would change his life forever. Mm. So let's back up a little. The day before, so Thursday, Thanksgiving, the daughter who called her dad on Black Friday, she loved Thanksgiving. She was always looking forward to it. And it had historically been a happy day in her home for her family. And when the youngest member of the family, a 19-year-old girl, woke up on Thanksgiving Day, she didn't have any thought in her mind about how the holiday was going to end. It was a normal Mm. day with family like so many Thanksgivings before. Yeah. Now, I feel like we need to put a little bit of an asterisk or something on normal because this family was going through a lot And even their happiest, best day had a little bit of a shadow on it because the wife and mother of the other people who are part of this story was very, very sick. In fact, by 2013, she was essentially dying. And the constant fear for her health, her future, and the unknown was placing a significant strain on her family. I can imagine. Her health had been failing for a really, really long time in some form or fashion, and her youngest daughter had been caring for her since she was nine years old. Wow. 
that's a big burden on a young child. It's a huge burden. And it seemed the health issues that her mom seemed to be facing, it was a lot. I It just sounded like a lot. In 2007, when this younger daughter was 13, her mom had a massive heart attack. When she was 15 or 16, her mom had another heart attack. She also had kidney disease, renal failure, and congestive heart failure. According to her daughters, she had a lot of heart attacks. And her body was essentially shutting down one system at a time. Surprising. She survived numerous heart attacks because, yeah, I would think that would take a toll on you. I think it did take a toll. I mean, she survived, but I do think she had a loss of quality of life. And it was really hard for her daughter waking up every day, not knowing if her mom was going to be alive. Yeah. Her illness also meant, of course, that she couldn't work. So the family was also under financial strain and the dad was working a lot of hours to try to provide for his family. The older daughter had moved out on her own by 2013, but the younger daughter, who had just graduated from high school earlier that year, still lived at home and was supposed to be contributing to the family by cleaning up around the house and doing chores and that sort of thing. Is is this the one who took care of her mother since she was eight? Yes. Wow. I wasn't there, but that kind of seems like a fair contribution. Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, cleaning up, taking care of your mom, a child would be stressed by her mother being ill, but then having the daily care of her, the worry, the all of it. It's a lot. It would be a lot for a grown-up. Yes. Now, she was supposed to be doing chores and cleaning up, but by this time, so late 2013, she was actually just spending most of her time in bed. The kid? Yeah. Oh, And this was something that she fought with her parents about a lot. I can imagine, though. And then she'd probably feel guilty about fighting with her sick mother. Mm -hmm. I think it bears repeating that this is a lot for someone to take on. To be a full-time caretaker for anyone, let alone you're a 19-year-old girl who's dedicating all of your time to caring for your terminally ill mom. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like she, I hate to say it, that she had any future planned. Like she graduated from high school, but she's not going to college. She's not getting a job. She's just kind of chained to the house. Yeah, Uh, it seems like her mom's illness basically crippled her. She said she consciously woke up every day worried about whether or not her mom was still alive. She couldn't sleep because she would have nightmares that her mom had passed away and she would have to get up and go and check to see if her mom was still alive. She couldn't go out with friends because she would worry the whole time about what might be happening at home. And the chronic stress was so bad that she said sometimes if she was really honest with herself, she wished that she would find her mom dead just so that it could all be over. You know, sadly, I I can understand that. If somebody has a chronic illness, it's very draining emotionally. Mm-hmm. And in this case, apparently emotionally, financially, everything. She said she thought it was pretty likely that the thought crossed everyone's mind, even her mom's. That's Mm. how hard things were. She also said this to her mom once out of anger, which was devastating for both of them. Can you imagine how guilty you would feel later? So many emotions, none of them good. And this all just had such a huge impact on this girl. I mean, you know, everyone handles things differently. Her older sister's solution seemed to have been to kind of try to move on with her life, move out on her own. But the younger daughter, she just couldn't separate herself from any of it. She thought she was a bad daughter. She thought she wasn't doing enough to contribute to the family, to get her life in order. She thought she was a big part of the problem and why her family members weren't really getting along with each other. And ultimately, she thought that her family would be better off without her. Good grief, this poor girl. From a really, really young age, she had suicidal ideations and Mm. multiple suicide attempts. When she was 14, for example, she took a whole bottle of Aleve to try Mm. to kill herself, but she ended up throwing it all up. 
Another time she actually took a box cutter and put it to her wrist, into Mm. her wrist, but chickened out. Those are her words before she moved it. So we have this very sad young woman who's been overburdened by her family who are also overburdened. So they're probably not thinking of her situation. Yeah. So back to the regularly scheduled story. (laughs) After this normal happy Thanksgiving, around 1 a.m. on Friday the 29th, things took a turn. As I alluded to a minute ago, the family had been fighting a lot. They were really not seeing eye to eye. They weren't getting along and they had made a promise to each other to make an active effort to get along better. Yeah, we all make those resolutions. Around 1 a.m. on Black Friday, though, this young woman's father called her into his room to ask. When you say 1 a.m., you mean after midnight, yeah. I've never been really good with the AM and the PM stuff. <laughs> One so, in the morning. <laughs> so they're all still up, or at least the father and the daughter. They, the three of the family members who live at the house are all still up. Even the sick mother. Yes. Okay. So he calls his daughter into the room. And what does he say? I almost don't want to hear it. He asked her what she was doing up so late. hmm And she said she had been on the computer. So then he decided to discuss taking her computer privileges away from her since she wasn't contributing to the household as they had all agreed that she would. (sighs) He told her she needed to be better. And he then started putting a password on the computer to prevent her from using it. Apparently, she didn't take too kindly to this. And she grabbed his hands, kind of pushed at him to try and stop him. But he pushed her away and just said, we are not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Your computer privileges are gone. He said in that moment, just almost indescribable this she looked down and looked back up and it didn't even look like his daughter anymore the look in her eye it took him aback well yeah i guess guess she had finally cracked she said that she realized that nothing was ever going to get better that they could make all these empty promises that they were going to be nicer to each other, but that after her mom died, things were just going to get worse. And she had a lot of really, really hard years ahead of her. And she felt absolutely hopeless. Yeah, I'm sorry she felt trapped by that because, of course, after her mom died, she could just leave. It's true. But on the other hand, I guess she was sad about the idea of the family really... The mother was the glue that was sort of holding everybody together, but resentfully together. Now, after this fight, her dad, she said he stormed out of the house to go cool off. He said he was just going Black Friday shopping. I'm sure. At one in the morning. Yeah, it was Black Friday. (laughs) That's what you do. Remember? Those were the days when you used to go really early in the morning and camp outside of stores. I don't think people really do that anymore. No, because they just buy stuff on the internet. Yeah, it was kind of a a ritual or you would stand in line at Walmart and when they would open the doors, everybody would stampede inside, (laughs) killing the people in front of them. And you're like, really? Really? You needed a TV that bad? (laughs) You were willing to... Murder or or kill somebody. I mean, we have covered stories where people have killed for much less than a new TV. So (laughs) sadly, sadly, you're right. So he's out ready to stampede people. (laughs) About. I'm just thinking about the time that you and your younger sister actually did that, camped out all night. I would never do that. There's nothing in this world that we I got want that free, bad. First of all, we got free Chick-fil-A. Oh, well. Second of all, I still have that PlayStation. <laughs> and I'm about to give it to my nephew. And I'm sure cool. he'll think it was worth it for me to stand out there all night. And third of all, there was no place to go to the bathroom. You're literally standing in a line outside in the freezing weather. And we had to ask someone to hold our spot so we could go to Wawa and use the bathroom. 
<laughs> I don't remember. I feel like they would have said no, but I think they actually said yes. And I bought them a candy bar or something. You didn't plan this very well. You should have had adult depends on. So, you, you know, <laughs> yes. Just had those astronaut diapers that last for 24 hours. I don't think we knew what we were getting into. <laughs> Probably not. Absolutely not. When you're young, something like that sounds so exciting. God, it was probably 2013, honestly. Well, yeah, you probably were still in high school, weren't you? No, I wouldn't no. let you take your baby sister out. I was in college. Okay. So she was in high school. Okay. Much better scenario. I won't be arrested as a <laughs> negligent mother for letting my six-year-old spend the night outside of a department store and pee in the bushes. <laughs> oh. So he takes off for Black Friday shopping. About 20 minutes after he left the house, this is a really awful story. I just want to say that now. Prepare yourself Oh, okay. for the next sentence out of my mouth. About 20 minutes after her dad left the house, his youngest daughter realized that she wanted to kill herself and she started thinking about how she would do it. Right. She had this overwhelming feeling of not wanting... I think anyone who has suffered with depression, a lot of these things that we're saying about her probably sound familiar. Oh, yeah. I mean, not getting Lord, out of bed, it. feeling like her family didn't care about her. These things she was feeling weren't true, but they felt true to her because of the mental illness she was suffering from. Yeah. Yeah. But on the same time, I think she legitimately had reason to be incredibly depressed. Yeah, absolutely. She said she had this overwhelming feeling of not wanting to be there anymore. She was numb. She had cried so much that she just could not cry anymore. She couldn't feel anymore. And she thought the quickest way to kill herself would be to shoot herself. Oh, my God. Apparently, she had a gun safe in her closet with a shotgun in it that had been there for years. But she was somehow the only member of the family who knew anything about this gun safe. Well, after she decided she wanted to kill herself, she went to her closet and she opened the gun safe and she took out the shotgun. She loaded the shotgun. She only had two shells. And then she wrote a suicide note and she placed it in the hallway of her family home. In the mm. note, she explained that she was sorry and she detailed where she wanted her property and her pets to go. Mm. Then she went back in her room and she sat there for a very long time and she thought about what she was about to do. And that's when she started getting worried about who would find her after she killed herself. And she realized that it would likely be her mom since she was home and would probably hear the shot and wonder what it was. Yeah, of course. Her mom's in bed. She hears the shotguns are not quiet. So she'd probably be like, what the hell was that? Her next realization was that by killing herself, she would essentially be killing her mom anyway mm. because of the horrible, awful pain her mom would experience upon finding her. Yeah. She kind of figured that her mom was dying anyway, and she didn't want her to endure the pain of losing her daughter and knowing that her daughter killed herself on top of everything else. And ultimately, she thought that the family would be better off without both of them. So she decided that she would kill her mom and then kill herself. She left her okay. room with a loaded shotgun and she headed toward her mom's voice, calling out for her in the house. Her mom had been awake during the argument with the father and heard everything and knew her daughter was upset. So apparently she had been calling for her daughter to come talk with her, to try and calm her down, to try and comfort her. Right. It was after 2 a.m. when she walked down the hallway and into her mom's room, mm -hmm. even with the gun loaded and in her hand. She couldn't really conceptualize the thought that she was about to kill her mom. She said right. she just kept thinking over and over and over that it was all going to end. The pain would stop. The stress would stop. She wouldn't have to worry about anything. She wouldn't have to think about anything. She could just be alone. Her mom was awake and she saw the shotgun and she greeted her daughter with almost a look of I don't know what the word is. Dismay, disappointment, 
frustration, just that something else was going wrong in their lives. Mm. Here's my daughter. She got in this huge fight with my husband. Now she has this gun. Where did it come from? What's going on? And she seemed to think her daughter was being dramatic and that she'd gotten this gun from wherever as a cry for attention. And she said, oh, great. Just wait until I tell your father about this. Oh, Lord. The daughter simply responded by telling her mom she was sorry and that this was what had to happen. Her mom responded that she was crazy and she looked away from her daughter to find her phone to call her husband and her daughter shot her in the chest. The powerful blast of a shotgun going off inside a closed room rendered the daughter temporarily deaf. And for a while, she couldn't think. She could only hear this intense ringing in her ears. Plus, I would have thought it would, like, knock her off her feet. No mention of that. shoulder. No mention of a dislocated shoulder. She apparently remained standing a couple of feet away from her mom. She didn't check on her. She didn't touch her. She just kept saying that she was sorry over and over and over and over and over. Her mom died instantly. There's a blessing. I guess. If there is one. After the ringing in her ears let up a little, she went back out into the hallway and she reread her suicide note. It didn't feel good enough. It didn't provide enough closure. She didn't think it would give her dad any amount of peace. So then she started worrying about her dad. She was worried that he would come home, find his wife and daughter dead, and that there would still be a gun in the house and that he might hurt himself. So instead of killing herself, which was the next part of her plan, she called her dad. Right. This started off saying this husband and Mm -hmm. father got this call Mm -hmm. on Black Friday. Yep. When he picked up, she told him that she had shot and killed her mom, and he responded, I feel like how most of us probably would. He did not believe her. He didn't believe her at all. Hmm. And after the brief interaction with his daughter, he hung up and he called his wife's phone. Back at home, his daughter heard her mom's phone ringing, so she went back into the bedroom to answer it. And she said she felt sick when she went back in there and even out of her peripheral vision saw what she had done. Did she think it was her dad calling? I just don't understand why she'd go in there to answer the phone. Yes, she thought it was her dad calling. And she was going to say, guess what? It's true. She's not answering the phone because I killed her. That's exactly what she said. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. She picked up. She continued telling her dad what she had done, insisting that she was telling the truth. And on the other end of the line, her dad just kept asking her to put her mom on the phone. And no matter how many times she said her mom was dead, her dad did not believe her. Hmm. Now, the daughter said that every second she had to continue in this reality was essentially too much for her to bear. She needed her dad to believe her, and she needed him to know it wasn't his fault, and then she needed to continue with her plan. Mm -hmm. So, she took a picture of her mom's body, and she texted it to her dad, and then she told him that she was going to kill herself. I guess he finally got it. To be honest, he still said that in the back of his mind, I don't know if he believed or just hoped that it was a joke. I guess it's one of those things you can't wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. So it's I can so see unreal. him still thinking, no, this is not happening. Yeah. Whatever was happening at his house, he was in shock. He was horrified. There were so many whys and so many questions running through his brain. But the number one thing that immediately overtook him as a father was protecting his daughter. And he told her not to kill herself. He told her that he couldn't stand losing her too. And he immediately rushed back to his house. And she realized that she made a mistake and that she wasn't making things better, of course, by killing her mom and killing herself, that she had Mm. caused instead an enormous amount of pain for her family, carrying her plan through to this point. And when her dad told her not to kill herself, she realized that she couldn't. And she changed her mind. 
Well, maybe it was finally her father expressing some love and concern for her. According to him, they were very close. He called his daughter his best friend. So he must have thought that he was there for her and loving her in some capacity to the best of his ability. I don't know. After the crime took place, her father and her sister both rushed to the house. And he said he was so worried after he received the picture and talked to his daughter that he drove straight home before taking the time to call 911. Mm. And this was, again, I think I mentioned this, but his daughter told him she was going to kill herself if he hung up. She told him she was going to kill herself if he called the police. So he he was worried if he didn't get there in time, she would hurt herself or that the police would hurt her when they arrived if she acted mm. out in some way. True. She's armed with a shotgun. Yeah. His older daughter arrived first only by like 30 seconds. So then, of course, he had the additional worry for her safety while she was there alone with her armed sister. Yeah, he should have told her not go in. And after the dad arrived, shortly before 4 a.m., they called 911. Can I speak police phone? Where can I help you? I need police at my house. Can that be exactly what happened? My daughter has killed my wife, killed her mother. In the meantime, they all talked a little bit in some capacity. The sisters talked, for example, and the older sister said that her younger sister was so calm in the way that she was talking about what happened and that she really did not seem like herself at all. Well, it's kind of like going back a year to our first similar story where yes yeah, she was out in the garage smoking cigarettes and just dialed 911 and said somebody needs to come over i killed my mother just very matter of fact maybe you just shut down i think you probably do the brain is amazing the things that it does to protect yeah the psyche of the person that it's in is pretty wild when the police arrived, they put the 19-year-old in handcuffs and they took her into custody. As she was sitting in the back of the cruiser waiting to be taken to jail, she asked her dad if he still loved her. He responded mm. that he did, of course, and she simply said, I'm sorry. The crime scene investigators took photos of the scene. The M.E. examined the 58-year-old mother and determined that she had died from a close-range shotgun blast to the chest. Both he and his older daughter saw the body and spent some time with the body of their loved one to try to help them process what happened. Eventually, the dad cleaned the house, the room, I guess really, on his own. He said he thought it would help him process what happened she was his wife, and he felt like he should be the one to take care of her and her space. Now, from the beginning, both the father and the older sister believed that the youngest family member should be in a psychiatric ward, in the state hospital, something like that, rather than in jail. And they believe that she was insane that night. In part, they think this because she had no previous behavioral issues, like ev we're talking ever. She didn't get a bad grade. She didn't push a kid at recess. They didn't think she was a bad person. She had no history of problems in school, no violence, no criminal history. I'm thinking there was a lot of repressed rage here. and She kept a really tight rein on herself. And that really might have been the case. But they believed she needed help. Not oh, just to be yes. locked away like an animal. Yeah, obviously. That's just not what a normal person does. Just thinks, well, I'm going to kill myself, but wait, that'll make my mother sad. So let me kill her first. Oh, and then wait, maybe I shouldn't kill myself because it might make my dad sad. And then he might kill himself. These are not the thought processes of a normal person. I, I'm, I guess <laughs> not. Because I know all about normal people. <laughs> huh. Huh. Indeed. <laughs> Moving forward from this horrible night, on December 3rd, the 19-year-old had her first hearing about the crime she had committed. And on December 18th, she had another hearing where she was denied bond. Mm. Even though her defense team argued for in-home confinement, but like... 
I read that and I was thinking to myself, in whose home? <laughs> I don't know if her dad or her sister would have felt I, immediately comfortable having her around. I think asking for in-home release for somebody who had basically a complete breakdown, not a good idea. I agree she should have been in a probably a mental institution Mm -hmm. rather than just sitting in jail. I do want to go back to something, though. This gun safe with this mysterious gun in it that only she knew about. Was this shotgun registered to anybody? I don't know. That's a good question. History of where it came from? There was no other information released publicly about the gun. Very weird. It's like I'm thinking of the tale of Narnia where they go into their closet and they find a door to another universe. So this girl goes (laughs) into her closet and finds a gun safe with a gun in it. How realistic is this? That no one else in the house. Well, let's imagine a scenario where perhaps it was a rental that they got from a family friend or a grandparent or a long lost relative of some sort. And they just moved in and some of the old furniture and stuff was left behind. That's true. It could be a family home that belonged to the grandparents. They were struggling financially. Only one of the parents was working. And I mean, she confessed. So publicly, there wasn't any sort of, here's this tidbit of information, here's that tidbit of information trying to solve this crime over the weeks that followed. I would think they would have asked about this gun. Because remember, the father and the older sister get home and are hanging around the house sometime before they even call the police. Yeah. Could the thought have occurred to the police, this isn't all what it seems to be? I'm sure there was. CSI took pictures. The ME examined the body. There were obviously investigative things happening, but there wasn't a lot of information that was publicly released. Right. And her defense team also said if she can't have home confinement, then you should at least release her to an inpatient psychiatric facility. They said she needed daily attention for her mental health issues, but their argument wasn't very strong because they couldn't be specific about what the mental health issues were. Well, they're lawyers, not psychiatrists. Maybe they should have had her evaluated. They hadn't had her evaluated yet. That was the problem. They were working on it, but they hadn't completed that step. So they could only be super vague and say... Let me guess. Is this once again a case of pro bono lawyers or (laughs) the people who are just assigned a case? Do you think that her, I don't know, (laughs) dad would have paid for a good lawyer for her? Could have afforded to? No, no, probably not. And probably, unless a lawyer wanted to take on the case because he thought he was going to get rich and famous for defending this person, it seems unlikely. Seems she's not got, you know, I'm going to say F. Lee Bailey again, and you're going to say, who? (laughs) Who that? Who that? that? Do that? Do that? What was the name of that show we used to love? Lee, why can't Say I yes to it? the dress. No. <laughs> the law show where the woman was the lawyer and she drags all of her students in. And... Oh, how to get away with murder? How, do you... <laughs> how yeah. to get away with murder. And what was her name? What's the name? Annalise Keating. Okay. So now I'll say she didn't have Annalise Keating defending her. <laughs> That's a little more. That one I can relate to. Right. Most of the listeners can probably relate to it. Probably. And if you can't relate, you should go and watch that because (laughs) it's a good show. It's really good. (laughs) So I'm guessing that was denied too. It was denied. Her team continued moving forward by trying to say she wasn't competent to stand trial. So that was going back and forth and back and forth for a little while. But in late 2014, she was found competent to stand trial. And in the summer of 2015, she was admitted to the state hospital. Her dad was there with her, supporting her, supporting the wishes of the entire family that she get the mental health care she needed. And that she was not herself and was not sane at the time of the crime. 
but the doctors working with her there found, quote, little evidence of psychotic symptoms. Well, how about severe depression? Severe depression does not excuse murder, legally speaking, or qualify for an insanity plea. Well, I guess not. But as you said, when people are so deep in the depths of despair and depression, they really can't make good choices. They just want to sleep and and they just want the pain to all go away. Well, the and this woman was interviewed by Dr. Phil of all people. And what? yeah. This 19-year-old. Yeah. She appeared later on the Dr. Phil show or while mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. trial. Later. And and did- he now we have to qualify by saying he is not a practicing (laughs) psychologist. He's not a licensed psychologist. He does have a doctorate in psychology, but he believed that she was in a dissociative state after years and years and years and years of untreated depression. Well, I am also not a licensed psychologist, but it seems- You probably as qualified as Dr. Phil, let's be honest. (laughs) then I'll say my piece. I mean, I I tend to agree that for someone who basically 10 years or her entire life possibly was in this very, very unhappy situation Mm -hmm. and she was probably angry at her mother, but you can't be angry at your mother because she's sick. So you love your mother, but she's ruining your life, but you can't be mad at her because she's your mother Mm -hmm. and she's sick. So yeah, I can see that you could develop a complete split personality or disassociate yourself from, Mm -hmm. from yourself. I'm down with Dr. Phil. The qualified people were not down (laughs) in a letter from the hospital. The doctor stated that she had the ability to control her outbursts of aggressive impulsive and destructive behaviors when she Mm. chooses and that she did not choose to control her feelings on the night of the crime she finally just cracked yeah she definitely did it's just so hard to decide who's crazy what does crazy really mean unless you're sitting there i don't know hooting like a monkey and you're naked and eating rat feces I mean, is that, is that crazy? These just seem like (laughs) such extreme, extremely extreme examples. Well, I'm trying to think of what they consider crazy. It seems like it's a big spectrum. There are a lot of things that can make you crazy and she may have indeed been crazy, but legally speaking, you have to not know that what you were doing was wrong. But going back to our first case, your friend, she must have known what she did was wrong. Yeah, but she there was something there with the irresistible impulse based on the trauma she had endured. And this girl didn't endure trauma and have an irresistible impulse? Apparently her impulse was resistible. Remember (laughs) that part they said? He had the ability, the psychiatrist at the hospital said she had the ability to control her outburst when she chooses. I ain't buying it. Sorry. And that's why sometimes I think it's such a fine line. Why does this person, yes, you had an irresistible impulse, so we're going to call you crazy and not send you to jail. You could have resisted that impulse. You're not crazy. We're sending you to jail. I think the criminal justice system is much more of an art than a science is what you're getting at right now. Because it does depend on so many other things. It depends on who your lawyer is. It depends on who your psychiatrist is. It depends on where you live. It depends on a lot of other shit that it shouldn't depend on. uh, The color of your skin, your socioeconomic position. Like it, it's imperfect. Any system run by humans is is going to be imperfect. Yeah, I mean, it used to be women who were abused by their husbands who finally snapped and killed their abuser were sent to jail. Like, you shouldn't have killed him. Well, nobody would help me. Too bad. Going to jail. I think those people would still be sent to jail. Not so much anymore. They're probably still found guilty, but they're giving much more reduced sentences. 
or time served or probation or something like that. Perhaps. Perhaps. Since we don't have a lawyer here and we don't even have a bona fide psychologist. <laughs> well, too bad this didn't happen in New York. Yes, that I could fill both roles. <laughs> <laughs> so where does that leave us? Finally, on June 14th, 2015, this young woman pled guilty to both of the charges against her. Those charges, by the way, were first degree murder and use of a firearm in the commission of a felony. Hmm. And even though her defense attorney argued that the stress of caring for her ailing mother played a part in the murder and that she had a history of mental illness that had gone undiagnosed for years, she said that the real motive was that she was suicidal and didn't want her mom to have to deal with the stress of losing a child. She said she couldn't continue to face the days of watching her mom die her older sister had moved out and hadn't been bearing much of the burden, although she had recently moved back and started occasionally taking her mom to dialysis. Her dad, of course, lived in the house full time and helped, but he did leave and go to work and run errands and he had a life outside of the home. I don't know if we can really call that a break because I think anyone with a job knows that it's not a break from anything, but Ugh. it did at least get him out of the house. It could be a break from dealing with a very depressing situation at home. Yeah. And whatever, I mean, break or not, his youngest daughter's reality 24 7 was that her mom was dying by inches right in front of her face and she couldn't do anything. Right. She said yeah. on a conscious level, she wasn't upset that she had to take care of her mom because her mom and dad had always taken care of her, but she did become depressed and she didn't see a way out. And the family was spending thousands of dollars a month for her mom's medicine to keep her alive. And it just seemed ridiculous to go and say, hey, I'm depressed and I need attention and I need treatment and I'm important. So sacrifice some of this care and attention and money we're spending on this woman who's literally dying on me. She just felt selfish. Yeah, I, can, I can see that too. Yes, you can't say, oh, I know you're dying, but I'm depressed. So let's focus on me. It seems very small potatoes, I guess, unfortunately, compared to all of the other stuff that this family was going through. That's true. But at the same time, if you look at it, I wonder what the mother would have thought of because sadly, the mother really didn't have a future and you would have thought she would have wanted her daughter to be able to live a good life after she was gone. I'm sure that if she brought it to her family, they would have been concerned and yeah. cared, yeah. but she didn't feel that she could even bring it to them, which is so sad. Yeah. So she pled guilty. She pled guilty to both of the charges. She received 50 years with 35 suspended for the premeditated first degree murder. And she received three years for the firearms charge for a total of 18 years in prison. Wow. She will be out in 2031 when she's 37. So no parole. No, no. She was sentenced in 2015. There okay, wasn't so she, parole anymore so she by had that to point. Serve, she had to serve her complete sentence. Yes. <sighs> How did she get on the Phil show? I mean, was she released from prison to go be on the no, show? No, he interviewed then... her in prison. Oh, okay. Okay. So your question is... How do I feel about My this? My question is, yeah, how do you feel? Do you think this is a fair sentence? Is there <sighs> such thing? You know, it's difficult because I do feel for this girl. I feel for the whole family. I mean, they were all in a sort of awful no-win situation. She didn't speak up for herself. Nobody took the time or thought, gee, I wonder if she's depressed or how this is affecting her. And unfortunately, also in America, we have a very sort of negative, people don't like to ask for help. If their leg's broken, they'll ask for a doctor to help them. But if their mind's broken, if their spirit's broken, if they're depressed, they won't. They just try to think, true. oh, I'll just bottle it up. I'll just make myself feel better. It's not that big a deal. And so many people just suffer needlessly. 
-hmm. over things that if they saw somebody, it could help. And yeah, it's sad that we have this very, if you say to somebody, oh, I'm seeing a psychiatrist, they probably like move a couple of feet from you and like, oh, <laughs> that's nice. This girl needed help. This whole family needed help. I can imagine they were all depressed. She just was younger, so it affected her more. I think she did kill her mother. She probably is somewhat responsible for that. How many years? 18 years? Yes. <sighs> it's hard to judge. It's yeah, very hard. It's very I hope. I was talking to my husband about it and he was like, oh, if she had just done it, she should have just done it two years earlier. She wouldn't have spent as much time in jail. Or she might have gotten the death penalty. Well, I know. said she could have been tried as an adult. And if she was, she could have gotten as severe, if not more severe of a sentence. But if she did get tried as a juvenile, then she would have been out of jail by the time she turned 21. I still think about that young girl who talked her boyfriend into killing her parents. And all she got was like six years in a juvie facility because she was underage. A 19-year-old, and this 19-year-old, I'm guessing, was very immature. In some ways, probably overly mature in other ways, mm -hmm. but very emotionally immature. And so should she have gotten six years in a facility just to get her head screwed on straight and then be let out into public? On this one, I really don't have a strong feeling. I hope, I hope in the years she was in prison, she did get counseling and help. I don't think she's completely nuts. I think she's probably salvageable salvageable and salvageable isn't that a word she can be yeah. salvaged i <laughs> saved uh and well at 37 i think maybe you could still make a life it maybe. sounds like her father still loved her yeah and her sister hopefully and yeah you know maybe the family can well i watched I the interview with dr phil and they all hugged it was very touching so her family was there. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes so much difference to have that support system waiting for you when you get out. Or mm -hmm. even when you are in prison, visits, packages, letters, mm -hmm. that's going to make a world of difference to this young girl. Mm -hmm. 18 years, I'm surprised, honestly, that they suspended so much of her sentence. I was a so little surprised, I, too. I think they did realize that this girl was not a cold-blooded killer. She just cracked. Yeah. On a bad day. Well, when she was asked if she thought she should be in jail and if she believed 18 years was appropriate, she said, yes, she did believe she should be in jail. She did think her sentence was fair. She also said, though, that she is not a risk to her family or to anyone else and that she already hurt her family enough and that she would never, ever hurt them again. And hopefully that's true. I think she probably does have very little chance of hurting anybody again, as long as she continues to get help. I'm sorry. I wish I could take it back. And I wish it would have been different. And I didn't want it to be like this at all. And then I miss her a lot. I miss her every day I think about her. I'm going to do better and I'm going to, I'm going to do something with my life to fix what I've done. I don't want to be known for this. I want to be known for something better. And it seems really far away and really impossible, but one day I want my parents to be able to be proud of me. I don't know if this can be the sprinkle, but one thing I thought <laughs> was interesting was she said that both of her, her father and her sister really, but especially her sister is scared of her. And she thinks that her dad does understand a little more than he used to, but she thinks that they're scared because they didn't see this coming. So, mm. and I heard the sister say this in the interview, they thought she was perfectly fine, perfectly normal, perfectly happy, and then just suddenly snapped. They felt shocked. They just thought that this horrible thing came out of left field and they're nervous because she obviously wasn't fine, but she hid it so well. And how would they ever be able to be comfortable around her knowing that she can hide emotions that are that big and that serious? I don't know if it really came out of nowhere. I do think there could be something to how serious it was and how well she was masking it. But it seems like she was struggling for a very long time. 
Yeah, and I agree. I don't think it came out of nowhere. I think they just failed to notice what was going on. And obviously, if she moves back home with her father, unless he develops some terminal illness and requires her to give up her life again to take care of him, I don't see her That would be some snapping. shitty luck. Yeah. And when did you say she's getting out? 20... 2031. Ooh. That's still a long time from now. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen that long ago. Wow. A long time. Well, um, eight years, right? Yeah. Well, I just, like I say, I hope she's getting counseling. I hope her family is there for her. And, you know, maybe she won't move back home. Maybe she'll move into a halfway house. Maybe there are a lot of options. And hopefully the rest are of her there, life. Are there a lot of options for no, a convicted murderer? No. I lied. There are not a lot of it was. I hate to squash your optimism train, speaking of trains, but it seemed a little too cheerful. Optimistic, yeah. Well, if her father doesn't want her to move back home, and by this time, if she served 18 years in prison, I mean, he could be very old. He could be. Assuming he was around the same age of his wife, he would be almost 80. That's it then. I don't have anything else to add. It's It's, very sad. It's very sad. And many cases we talk about are very sad. And I think we said sometimes you're like, yes, they got them. Yay. I'm glad they put that person away. But a lot of them are like, what's the right thing done? Is this a good outcome? I guess at least she feels like it was fair. Yeah, I mean, she feels, I'm sure, well, I killed my mother, I should be punished. Horrible thing. Yeah, and I hope that she's happy she didn't kill herself, too. I do hope, like you said, that she's getting the help that she needs. Yes. And that she's healing. Yes, indeed. (sighs) Okay, well, can you find find an uplifting murder for us next time? An uplifting murder, that's a challenge. Well, one where there's a really bad guy that gets caught mm-hmm. and we're all, yay. Okay. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and in the meantime, you guys, you can email us, murdereryouknow at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media, Murderer You Know Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And that's about that for episode 53. Rolling okay. into our second year. Boop, boop. Second year. Toot, boop, toot, boop. Toot, yeah. All righty. We'll see you next week. See you there. <laughs> At least I had to get a giggle. It was too, dep- it was too much.